0: Good morning! How many of you guys grew up with Mr. Rogers? A lot of us in here. Um, I will tell you right now, I didn't, except uh, that I have heard so much about this guy. Um, so even if you didn't grow up with him, how many of you guys have heard of Mr. Rogers? <laughs> a lot more in here. So um, for, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Mr. Rogers was a very iconic person, and it's really funny because... Um, I was going to talk about neighboring today and I've had this like thing stirring on my heart for quite a while now and I thought, you know, who better to talk about than Jesus and then like an actual person that we may know in our lifetime, Mr. Rogers. And uh, and then I found out from Titus that this week was his 51st anniversary of his first filming of the show and I was like that is so cool and so then yesterday Scott and I tried well he really I did not go on this manhunt but he went and he tried to find me a Mr. Rogers t-shirt so I could like come and like really celebrate this guy and um to no avail Either they ran out or nobody really wanted to celebrate Mr. Rogers, um, unfortunately. And then I was talking to someone. They're like, you should have came with like a sweater and like changed your shoes when you were up here. I was like, I should have. I should have. I'm just not that creative yet. And so I'm going to have to like pull you guys in. Ask for your help, but I want to talk about a little, a little bit about this guy. Um, it's pretty amazing as I studied him and as I read more about him, um, his heart for people. And, uh, he was the creator, the composer, the producer, the head writer, the showrunner, and the host. Of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I know, like, pretty incredible. Um, and he wrote this famous intro song. And I, I think, like, even before I really understood or knew Mr. Rogers, I knew, Would You Be My Neighbor? Like, I knew this song. And um, one of the lyrics, it says, I've always wanted a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. And I love that because I think, what an amazing lyric! to think about that he somehow had this way that through a television screen he was able to make this special connection with people individually like uniquely like i as even as I watched some of his show this past week, I'm like, I feel so special, as if he's talking to me. He just had this way. And for those of you who might think like, well, this guy is just some Joe Schmo that they got off the street to pay him a ton of money to do this show, that is not what happened. This guy was a minister, and he didn't like the way TV shows were talking to kids. And so he decided to do something about it. He created his own little show in his community. And then somehow along the way, PBS picked it up, and then it became nationwide. That's kind of how he started. But one of the things I love about Mr. Rogers, and I love a lot of things about Mr. Rogers, but one of the biggest things I love is the title of his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Here is a guy who saw a need in his community. And it wasn't just that he lived in a neighborhood, he owned his neighborhood, he looked at his neighbor and said, this is mine. And so I kind of want to talk about today because um, I love Mr. Rogers, but we also know someone else talked about neighborhoods, neighboring and neighbors, and that was Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you don't, it's okay. It's going to be on this massive, ginormous screen behind me. But we're going to look at Mark twelve thirty to 31. It says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, this is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There are here are two great commandments clearly laid out for us. Like, clearly. Like, I don't know if you can interpret that any other way. you got to love God, and you got to love your neighbors, right? But um, Dallas Willard says something like this. He said, familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. And what that means is sometimes you can read the Bible so much or anything, know anyone. But in this, in, t- in this particular sense, you can read the Bible so much. You can know scripture so much. I know the scripture like by heart. But what happens is you get to a point where you kind of just assume you know. Like you kind of just read the scripture and then you just kind of take it for granted. Like, oh, I know what that means. Love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor. And somehow in my over a decade Christian life, I uh, misunderstood what neighbor meant. Like, how can that be? You look at it, you're like, there is, like, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, I don't know how I did this, and maybe I'm the only one in this room. But somehow neighbor, for me, excluded my actual neighbors. Like, let's just be real, (laughs) Like, somehow I'm reading this, and in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, love love your neighbors. Love everyone, right? Love them like you love yourself. And it just breeded this unfamiliarity until I got kind of stirred up about it this last couple of weeks. We're going to move on to another scripture that's going to be tied in with this. It's Luke 10. And verse 25, it says, On one occasion... An expert in the law. So this is someone who really knows scripture, all of the Old Testament. He stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him and said, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And this guy said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. I think that's so interesting. Do this and you live. The translation for live right there is to live a real life. Not just live. Like, you know how sometimes we can just live and bumble through life? And he said, no, do this. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. You'll find life there. But this guy, he wanted to justify himself. And I laughed. He said, "Uh, so who is my neighbor So Jesus says, go love God, go love your neighbor, and the guy wants to justify himself, so he said, well, who is my neighbor? And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, I know I have, but we try to read scripture sometimes, and we find something, we find a particular definition about something to excuse the way that we already live. Like, for example, when the Bible says to forgive as you've forgiven, you might ask yourself, well, what does forgive really mean? Or like when the Bible says, do not envy. Well, what does envy really mean? And it's exactly that attitude. This guy was like, God says, love your neighbor, love everybody. He's like, well, who's my neighbor? Because back then, it was really commonly known that rabbis, when they teach the Old Testament, that they only refer to it to other Jews. So for example, the Ten Commandments is, Thou shall not kill, and rabbis will fill it in with, Thou shall not kill another Jew. Thou shall not steal, parentheses another Jew. It didn't include everybody. And when Jesus came, that was like his whole thing, right? He came to radically change the way they thought. And so he went on and he talked about a crazy story. And he talked about a good Samaritan. Now, back then, good and Samaritan never go together, and because Samaritans were known as half-breeds, they were people that were outside of Israel, and they came in, and they bred with Jews, and they became what they, they referred to them as half-breeds. They were also idol worshipers. They only believed in the first, like, three books of the Old Testament. So the Jews looked at them and were like, you guys are wrong. You guys are not pure. And uh, and they wanted nothing to do with them. They hated them. This is like racism right here. Like, it's all in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun, right? And so when Jesus heard this guy say, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. I want to pause right here, because as I was reading this, I got super convicted. And I, hey, today is all about, like, like just laying all of my rawness before you guys, okay? So bear with me. As I was reading this, the Lord was showing me, here is a priest and a Levite going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. So they probably just got done serving God in his temple in Jerusalem, and were about to go home to Jericho. That's where most of them lived, okay? And when they were walking, they see this guy on the side of the road. He was half dead, which means he probably was bloody, and he probably wasn't moving. And so they passed on the other side, thinking to themselves, well, here are some of the thoughts that they may be thinking. It's not in the Bible, but I know. Like, I'm a person too, so these were the thoughts that I would have thought. Is, um, well, I'm really tired. I need to get home. Or, like, I don't know if that guy is dead, and if he is, I can't touch him, because if I touch him, then I become unclean. Right? Or, um, if I help this guy, who knows how much more he's going to need my help? Like, these are all real thoughts that I would have. And so I'm thinking about all of this, and I'm thinking about these these, um, religious people who are supposed to love God, and they're not bad men. They're not. They're busy men. They serve God, but were so busy serving God that they didn't have time to be like God. And I thought to myself, that is me. That is me. Because how, how much margin do I really give in my life to meet someone new? How much space do I put in my life to actually invite new people over to my house? Do I only interact with people that I know and are like-minded? Have I ever looked at somebody and thought to myself, Oh, let me just stop everything for the rest of my day. And let me tend to this person I don't know at all. I don't think I have done that one time. I am this priest and this Levite. I am them. And as I was sitting there and getting completely convicted about reading this, because because I am the woman who will, if I had a garage that was clean and my car could go in it, I would be the woman who would drive into the garage, close the door, wait until it closes before I take the baby out so I can go into the house without having to look at anybody because I had no time. Like, I, I am the person who am, like, shopping, and I'm like, all right, let me get my grocery stuff, and Jace is crying, and let me pay, and let me get to my car quickly, and let me go home, and let me cook dinner, and and you guys all know, right? Like, can anyone relate to this right now? Like, Scott is much better at it, like, than I am, and I've told you guys about this before, where we'll come out of a restaurant, and I'm so full, and I'm, like, ready to go home, and he sees a guy with a Kentucky shirt on, and he's the one who befriends him, and they, like, talk for 20 minutes, and I'm in the car, like, let's go, like, that's him, that's me, like, I am so busy, how are you? I'm busy, right? That's like, that's the answer sometimes. How have you been? Oh, so busy. Are we living each day trying to serve God? Are we just trying to survive our busy schedules? The story finishes with the Samaritan who comes along, and he not only just gives of his time and energy he gives of his money and effort to get this guy to get better, the stranger he doesn't even know. And uh, Jesus says, hey, hey, see that Samaritan. Be like him. Be like him. The question is not, who is my neighbor? The question is, to whom am I being a neighbor? Right? This guy, Jesus says to go and love your neighbors as yourself, And our response should be, well, to whom am I going to be a neighbor to? There was this story I heard this last week, um, this really awesome teaching. It was about a group of pastors who wanted to make a difference in their community. And that as they gathered, they they realized that they don't know too much about the needs of their community. So they invited the mayor in and they're here sitting around and the pastors asked the mayor if you could wave a magic wand to fix whatever problem in your city like what would you do? And so this mayor whips out this list because he came totally prepared. And he said, here are the things I love to see. I love to see our single moms not live under the poverty line. I love to see no at-risk kids. I love to see no elderly shut-ins. I love to see no financial debt on our city. You know, like all awesome things. And then in passing, the mayor said, you know what you guys should really do to make a difference? You guys should do like a neighborhood program or something. And then he was going to move on. And the pastor was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. What? And, and the mayor goes, yeah, you know, one of the things that we realize is that the more people are connected in their neighborhood, the less they need our programs. And he said, one of the things we learned is that relationship will always trump program. Always. And I thought about that. And, of course, these pastors are sitting there like, super convicted because they're like that's what jesus said right like love your neighbor he had the answer all along there is so much value in power neighboring did you know that neighbors who are connected with their literal neighbors who know their name know who they are they live longer that in a natural disaster your first responders will probably not be the fire department or the police department. It's your neighbors, because the system will be so overwhelmed. And neighborhoods where people actually interact and know each other's names, crime rates fall by 80%. Those are amazing statistics about the power of being connected just in your neighborhood. And so as I was listening to this, I got super cut to my heart. And uh, I started thinking, you know, Scott and I, when we bought our house, we, we prayed. Like, we asked God, like, what house should we get? Where should we live, right? Is this the house that we're going to be able to, like, raise our family in and all this stuff? And, uh, and I started thinking, like, not once did I pray, Lord, what neighbors should we be living next to? Not one time. Not one time. And and I think, is it too far-fetched to believe that if God has a specific place, a specific house for you, that he wouldn't have specific people for you to live next to? And so I started thinking about all this. And uh, one of the things that the teaching said, too, was, um, you know, if you could look at the city with a bird's-eye view... Do you think that you'd be able to tell what households are Christians and what households are not? And they said in this teaching, they said um, from their level, when they look at their city as a whole, there's almost no difference between households who are Christians and households who are non Christians and how they treat each other. And I was like, how could that be? Uh, and I'm not surprised, when I think back on um, examples of good neighbors, one of the first people I think of is actually my mom, which was really funny, because she doesn't know the Lord yet, and uh, all throughout our childhood, she had this impeccable way of connecting with our neighbors, and I, and, and, and this is the thing that I always find amazing, is she, she speaks with, like, broken English, So, like, if anybody has this, like, this thing about not talking to neighbors, it would be like my mom, you know? But my mom has no, no problem connecting with the neighbor Rita, asking her to come over, come over to our open house. How's your kids? Oh, you're sick. Let me give you a basket of fruit. When are you going on vacation? I mean, she knows everything about her, like, neighbors. She, like, knows all of their names. I brought, like, Jace over. She invited Rita over to come and see him, like, super excited, her and her like and they have like almost nothing in common like literally nothing in common except that maybe their parents you know they don't even like the same food I mean it's incredible and I thought you know I really I really can believe that that when I look at my city I may not be able to tell because my mom is a much better neighbor than I am much better and there are examples of really good neighbor, neighbors that I know. I talked to a lady actually just last week, her and her husband, they love Jesus. They moved into this new neighborhood, and she was telling me how excited she was because she started meeting her neighbors, and there was this elderly lady who, like, walked with her back kind of curved over and just, like, no confidence. She's, like, alone. And so my friend decided, to like, hey, hey, come to, like, this, this exercise class with me. And the lady was like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> But she did. I don't know. She, like, went with her, and after a few times, she, like, loved it so much. She started standing up straighter. She started talking more. She started being more outgoing. I'm like, that is amazing. And then there was another lady. She was like, yeah, and there's one down the street a little bit. All she likes to do is watch TV, so sometimes I go over, and I just watch TV with her. I just hang out with her, watch TV. We talk about whatever she wants. And I was like, that... Jesus, help me. How did I miss this? The pastor from the teaching I was listening to was so convicted by the mayor and what he was saying that he made a commitment to himself that he would spend more time outdoors every day in his lawn. One small step, right? One small step at a time. He was like, I'm committing to spend more time outside on my lawn just in case one of my neighbors comes out and I maybe have this chance to meet him. And he did. He tells a story about how one time his like corner kitty, corner neighbor or whatever was mowing his lawn. He was out there and he's like, oh, this is my chance to go and meet him. And then he started thinking, well, right now might be an awkward time. Like maybe I should wait until he's done. And so then he started thinking, well, if I wait and I'm just outside waiting for him, that's awkward, too. Maybe I should just go inside. And then as I go inside, like, I'll wait until he's done. And then when he's done, I'll go outside. And then he started realizing, oh, my goodness, stop with the excuses. And so he turned around, and he just made the bull move and started walking down his driveway to this guy. And the guy's, like, mowing his lawn and kind of sees him. You know, like, that's awkward. And then he, like, as he comes closer, he realizes, like, oh, this guy's really coming to me. So he stops the lawnmower. He looks up. They They talk. And uh, the pastor's name is Dave, and he goes, hey, hey, I, I am so sorry. I know I've met you before, but but I'm Dave. And the guy says the worst thing. He goes, yeah, I know. And he's like, yeah, I'm Matt. And the thing is, like, that's awkward. But over periods of time, hey, Dave became, hey, Dave, I have something I need to move. Could you help me move it real quick? Became, hey, Dave, I see your son's car is at your house all the time now. Has he moved back? Are you guys doing okay? To, hey, Dave, did you catch the game last night? Why don't you guys come over for the next game? To, hey, Dave, let's just have dinner together and, like, let's talk about life. And I think it's so amazing, these stories, because sometimes we think that life revolves around these massive things we accomplish, right? Like, like these major milestones, and most of the time, it really is just these small things. These small things that are wrapped in this huge plan of God that God has a purpose for that makes the biggest difference in life. Like learning someone's name. Did you know you cannot love someone if you don't know their name? Like, like shouldn't that be the first step? To loving someone is learning their name. So this is what I want us to do. All of you guys have this like tic-tac-toe thing looking thing. And some of you guys might have played tic-tac-toe while I was teaching because this is really boring to you. And if that's you, it's okay. Just grab the neighbor's tic-tac-toe sheet or raise your hand. We'll get you another one. Don't worry. But this is what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to draw a little house in the middle. And then write your name on there, because that's you. You and your family. Does anybody need another tic-tac-toe board? No? Oh, down there. That, no, right, perfect. Playing tic-tac-toe back there. <laughs> so I want you to draw a little house. Put your name on it. And then I'm going to challenge you. I want you guys to put all of the names of your eight closest neighbors around you. And some of you guys might, like, not have a neighbor behind you. Don't worry. Like, it's okay. You don't have to fill out the sheet completely. But try. As many neighbors that live around you, try to put their first names. If you know their dog, put their dog if you want to, just so it doesn't look blank. I won't judge. If you know their kids. (laughs) But try, go ahead and try and see how many neighbors you know. And then I'll tell you how many I know. Is that enough time? All right, show of hands. How many of you guys have all eight? Somebody over here has all eight. Woo! Give her a hand. Sam, come talk to me after service. I want to know how you know all of your neighbors because I'm sure there are probably stories I'd love to know. I'd love to know. Come talk to me. Um, Look, I'm going to be honest. I have two. I have my neighbor that's right next to me, and then I have the lady across the street. Her name is Eileen. And for the longest time, the, the person kitty-corner to me is the lady who mourned the loss of her tree, and then the guy over here kitty-corner is the guy who let us use his saw for a while. Like, that's how I, like, refer to them. Yeah, the lady who mourned her tree, remember? Like, that's how I know them because a car ran over her sapling. Anyway. But that's how I knew them. I didn't know their name. So this is my challenge for you and for me, for all of us. We're going to do this together. We're going to do this together. I want you guys to put this on your fridge. Okay, it might be a little weird if you put it on the front because if they come over for dinner and they see, like, your name on it, it might be weird. Okay, just put it on the side or something. But, but keep this somewhere where you can see it. And I want to challenge all of us in here to learn your neighbor's name. Like, if it's going to take, you know, maybe you guys are, like, super gun ho and you can do it, like, by next Sunday. That is amazing. Like, come show me your ways. But um, it's probably going to take us all a little bit of time. And, um, and, and I want to challenge us to kind of be like Dave. It's kind of the fall. I don't know how many of you guys in here garden. I don't. Okay, so I'll be out there pretending to garden or something or walk my kid around in my neighborhood. I don't know. But but I will say that since I've been preparing for this message every day, driving through my neighborhood, I pray, Lord, please let one of my neighbors be outside. I just want to meet them. Because I don't I I, some of you guys may be really bold. I'm not to just go and knock on someone's door and be like, hi, I just want to introduce myself. I'm not that bold. I wish I was. Maybe you are. I'm just being honest with you. But I have been praying, Lord, please let one of my neighbors be outside. Like, I would love to meet them. And then you're going to go home, and you're going to put their name on this little tic-tac-toe board. And it's not so that you can just have a finished game piece or anything like that. It's so that you can know who they are, and you can pray for them. And my hope and prayer is that over time, These people that you live 30, 40, 50 feet away from, that you literally sleep, eat, and play about 50 feet away from, that you'll start to, like, know who they are, and they'll start to invade your life, if not your prayers. Because I really believe that as we move forward, when we talk about we live life on life with people, when we talk about living in community, Yes, love your neighbors, like this general, like everybody that you come in contact with. But shouldn't it be like the very least is our actual neighbors? The very least are the people that that literally live in proximity to you. Like that's my prayer. and And we're going to take a little bit of time. You're going to hear us talk about this a little bit. More and more. So this isn't just like a, hey, this weekend we're doing this, and then, like, we're never going to talk about this again. Like, I want to keep talking about this. I want, I want to hear stories about how you met your neighbors. I want to know about the relationship that you're building with kids. I want us to be a church where we say, not on my watch. Like, not on my watch will a single mom go and have Thanksgiving by herself on my street. Like, not on my watch is that kid not going to grow up with a father figure on my street. And for us to be like Mr. Rogers, where we own our community, we own the street that we live on, and that we have that heart. Because when we love God, when we love God with all that we are, then we'll love our neighbors. It's going to be a natural byproduct. As we pursue God, we're not going to be able to help we're not going to be able to help it. We're going to love our neighbors. And I want to mention one more thing because sometimes, you know, you, you can think like, well, I'm just going to know my neighbor to convert them. Look, this is not a conversion program. Okay? We don't do this to convert people. We do this because we are converted. We do this because we love people. And so even if... In our lifetime, my neighbor may never know the Lord. I'm still going to love them, and I'm, I still want to know who they are. My hope is that they'll know the Lord. But my goal, like that is not going to be this, what do they call it? This like, what is it? An agenda. Yes, thank you. An agenda. I don't have a hidden agenda. I just want us to love our neighbors. And that in the process, like, the love of God will impact them. That should be a natural byproduct. But we're not here to have hidden agendas. And you're going to encounter weird people because you're probably weird. Okay? Like, you're going to encounter weird people. And, And it's okay to have awkward moments. And you might meet a neighbor who says, I never want anything to do with you. Please don't ever come here again. But that might be one out of the eight neighbors that you live around. Or you might have a neighbor who, like, loves you so much that he comes over every single day to try and have dinner with you. And you might have to say, hey, man, I haven't had family time in, like, six days, so, hey, let me just catch you at another time. It's totally okay. But at least get to know who they are.